The Daily 202's Big Idea is supported by Battelle. For 90 years, the employees of Battelle have solved the world's most challenging problems, finding solutions and really big ideas. At Battelle, it can be done. Learn more at battelle.org 90. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Thursday, September 5th. In today's news... President Trump shows off a doctored hurricane chart in a bid to save face. It didn't work. Greg Craig is acquitted. And the Trump administration rolls back another Obama-era environmental regulation. But first, the big idea. Thieves used voice-mimicking software to imitate the speech of a company executive and dupe his subordinate into wiring hundreds of thousands of dollars to a secret account. The money is now gone. It's a remarkable case that some researchers are calling one of the world's first publicly reported artificial intelligence heists. The managing director of a British energy company, believing his boss was on the phone, followed orders one Friday afternoon in late March to transfer more than $240,000 to an account in Hungary. The request was rather strange, as the director noted later in an email, but the voice was so lifelike that he felt he had no choice but to comply. This case was first reported by the Wall Street Journal, and my colleague Drew Harwell was able to get some new details, including that email from the employee who was tricked by what the insurance company is referring to internally as the false Johannes. Now being developed by a wide range of Silicon Valley titans and AI startups, Such voice synthesis software can copy the rhythms and intonations of a person's voice and be used to produce really convincing speech. And this technology keeps getting better almost by the week. Tech giants like Google and a host of smaller firms have helped refine the resulting fakes and made the tools more widely available for free and unlimited use. But the synthetic audio and AI-generated videos, known as deepfakes, are fueling growing anxieties over how the new technologies can erode public trust, empower criminals, and make traditional communication, from business deals and family phone calls to presidential campaigns, that much more vulnerable to computerized manipulation. Developers of the technology have pointed to its positive uses, saying it can help humanize automated phone systems or help mute people speak again. But its unregulated growth has also sparked concern over its potential for fraud, targeted hacks, and cybercrime. Researchers at the cybersecurity firm Symantec said they have found at least three cases of executives' voices being mimicked to swindle companies. Symantec declined to name the victim companies or say whether this case is one of them, but it noted that the losses in one of the cases totaled in the millions. The systems work by processing a person's voice and breaking it down into components like sounds or syllables that can then be rearranged to form new phrases with similar speech patterns, pitch and tone. The insurer didn't know which software was used in this case, but a number of these systems are free on the web and require relatively little sophistication, speech data, or computing power. Bottom line, be careful when anyone calls you asking for money. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, Dorian has regained strength and is once again a Category 3 hurricane. Stronger and a little larger, Hurricane Dorian has exited Florida, setting its sights on the coasts of Georgia and the Carolinas. These areas face a triple threat of destructive winds, 
flooding rains, and life-threatening storm surges. While Dorian stayed far enough off the coast to largely spare Florida from the worst of its wrath, it's forecast to make a much closer approach to the coastline of the Carolinas on Thursday and Friday and could make landfall. Impacts are thus expected to be more severe. As the Carolinas prepared for Dorian, though, President Trump showed a doctored hurricane chart that indicated that the hurricane would reach Alabama a day after he erroneously warned on Twitter that the state would be affected. In a White House video released Wednesday, Trump displays a modified National Hurricane Center cone of uncertainty forecast that's dated from 11 a.m. on August 29th. It indicates that Alabama would in fact be affected. But the graphic was very clearly altered with a sharpie to indicate a risk that the storm would move into Alabama from Florida. There's no such risk. Asked about the altered hurricane forecast chart at a White House event, Trump said his briefings included a 95% chance probability that Alabama would be hit. That's not true. When asked whether the chart had been drawn on, which it clearly had, Trump said, I don't know. White House Deputy Press Secretary Hogan Gidley later confirmed that the drawing was made using a black Sharpie, and then he criticized the media for focusing on it. Photos posted on the White House's Flickr account reveal that Trump received the correct briefing on August 29th with an unaltered chart. Alabama was never included in any National Hurricane Center forecast for Dorian. But Trump doesn't want to admit he was wrong when he tweeted that Alabama was in the crosshairs. Altering official government weather forecasts isn't just a cause for concern. It's actually illegal. Number two. A federal jury found Greg Craig not guilty of lying to the Justice Department, acquitting Barack Obama's former White House counsel of concealing media contacts in 2012 related to his work with Paul Manafort for the Ukrainian government. Jurors deliberated less than five hours before vindicating the 74-year-old, who was also a top lawyer for Bill Clinton during impeachment in the 90s. His defense team, which said the U.S. Attorney's Office in Manhattan had declined to pursue Craig, called the Trump Justice Department's decision to move ahead with a prosecution in Washington a disgrace. Craig was the first prominent Democrat charged in an investigation spun off from special counsel Bob Mueller's Russia probe. But DOJ officials have emphasized that they're stepping up enforcement of a long-neglected foreign lobbying disclosure law, the Foreign Agents Registration Act, which everyone in D.C. calls FARA. In March, a prosecutor who had been detailed to the Mueller team was tapped to lead the department's FARA enforcement unit and the department's zero-tolerance crackdown toward non-disclosure has triggered a 30% increase in registrations. So this acquittal marks a setback for the Justice Department's crackdown on foreign lobbying in the United States, and it exposes flaws in what's been a difficult prosecution of events that date back to 2012. Part of the problem is that it was handed off among several investigative offices before Craig got indicted in April. But before the trial began, a judge dismissed one of the two charges against Craig that said he had made false statements under FARA, citing a lack of clarity in the underlying law. The judge allowed the trial to proceed on a general false statements charge. Several D.C. attorneys representing foreign governments and former Justice Department officials cautioned that even a slam-dunk acquittal here did not mean the government acted recklessly or in bad faith, or that it would lead to a more passive stance. In other work involving longtime political players, the Justice Department has also been investigating, but has not charged, Democratic lobbyist Tony Podesta and former Republican Congressman Vin Weber for their work alongside Craig in Ukraine. Now, Tony and Vin deny wrongdoing. It will be interesting to see, do the feds move forward? The government might be less inclined to indict after yesterday's setback. Number three. 
The Trump administration has rolled back another Obama-era environmental regulation. This time, the Energy Department issued a final and a proposed rule that will prolong the life of certain old-fashioned and energy-intensive incandescent light bulbs, the kind invented by Thomas Edison 140 years ago. The bulbs would otherwise have been effectively phased out by January 1st. This rollback will mean $14 billion a year in higher energy costs and add to the nation's greenhouse gas emissions. The Energy Department says phasing out the bulbs would be a lose-lose for consumers because of the higher cost of more efficient bulbs. And it said it will still be regulating these light bulbs out of existence, eventually. The standards will technical affect about 3 billion of the bulbs currently in sockets in U.S. homes. That's nearly half of the bulbs in the country. 15 states, New York City and the District of Columbia, filed comments opposing this rollback. Meanwhile, 10 of the 2020 Democratic presidential candidates offered their plans to combat climate change during a seven-hour town hall on CNN last night. Kamala Harris pledged to end the Senate's filibuster if needed in order to pass a Green New Deal, going further than she has before. Bernie Sanders called Trump's stance on climate change idiotic and dangerous. Mayor Pete Buttigieg said climate change is a kind of sin. Former Housing Secretary Julian Castro framed the fight against climate change as a civil rights issue. Coming off last night's forum, former Vice President Joe Biden will head to a high-dollar fundraiser today, co-hosted by the founder of a fossil fuel company. And that's The Daily 202 for Thursday, September 5th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Homan. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.